Good to see everybody. All right. This uh, handout is simply a um, opportunity to uh, look at these scriptures. Uh, scriptures have done wonders for our marriage. I'm sure a lot of us could amen that. Because when um, emotions run wild and conflict and words and you know all kinds of things are done, you need the scriptures to ground you. Yeah. And so the first uh, page, uh, back to back, is love and action, 1 Corinthians 13. This is the message version, and different versions are fun, you know. They, they, they give a different angle sometimes. So uh, there's places to take notes. You can have some quiet times in these topics, love and action, Ephesians 4, Ephesians 5. This is the second page. Third page is setting our priorities. Who doesn't need help with that? Um, got a host of scriptures there. Uh, the fifth page, I believe, is Transparency Builds Intimacy. Uh, just some great scriptures there. And then the final page on the back, Making God the Center of Your Marriage. Great scriptures that we love to use, and maybe you'll find some great usage as well. We just thought it'd be great to give this as a handout so that you can uh, deepen uh, your relationship in your marriage. Now, just a little extra. Uh, sometimes we just, uh, you come to a marriage retreat, you hear stuff, you walk away, you maybe take one or two things away, but this is like something you take with you and you can work on on a weekly basis. Sometimes you can have like a D time with it. Once a week, you and your spouse get together, read through one of the scriptures, talk about it. It can be that for you. So anyway, enjoy that. Hopefully that will help. We're not going to cover that today. So that's, that's just extra. All right. Little bonus. That was free. We're going to talk about resolving conflict. Um, marriage. How many just you know uh, see their marriage as an opportunity to get humble all the time? How many just feel like, wow? Do I see it. I don't <laughs> always see that, but uh, you know, even when you know what to do, how many of us sometimes we know what to do, but then doing it? How hard is it to do what we know? And as you get older, you go, I think I should, should have been getting better at this. But sometimes, you know, uh, the older you get, you get stuck in some habits and some ways and some patterns. And so uh, marriage retreats are really great. I think uh, the Hackett said it best. It's good to pull away. Even the fact that we're just talking about marriage is going to help your marriage. Because yeah. how many times do you just take a, a Saturday morning and just talk about marriage? Yeah. Not often. And then you, you're around couples that want to talk about it or that will engage us. So it's going to be a great, great weekend. Uh, I always want to learn more about communication. That's one thing that Judy and I have always felt like we, we, we always need to improve on. We're not where we want to be. And if you're a young married couple, maybe you go, wow, we got that down. Well, good for you. That's great. <laughs> Throw about 10 years, a couple kids in there, and... Uh, it's just, life gets interesting, you know, and then we're 40 years now married. So, uh, you know, and five kids and uh, all, uh, we have five grandkids, one on the way. And so anyway, life gets very interesting. We need refreshments, and that's why we call this the refreshment marriage, right? Refreshment. So anyway, you need some refreshing every now and then. One of the things that I think is important is to upgrade our marriage. Isn't it amazing? We'll upgrade the phone. We'll upgrade the computer. We'll upgrade. We'll, we'll get a car that's better, right? 
you know, usually who wants to drive a car that's up here going to be dangerous and breaking on the road? I've been there. So you try to get a car that uh, won't break down. So you get a new car. We tend to live with marriages that break down. And we won't settle for a phone that breaks down. We won't settle for a computer that gets stuck. But we'll settle for a marriage that gets stuck. So hopefully you will stop settling for a marriage that gets stuck. What kind of conflicts do you have? As we start, let's get some audience participation. What kind of things do you and your spouse tend to get stuck in? What what areas of conversation, Amanda? Uh, conversation about the budget. Okay, finances. Yeah. All right, <laughs> finance. That's a big one, right? Yeah. Get stuck right there, Chris. Uh, I was going to say just our families. Okay. Oops, families. In-laws and outlaws. I mean, in-laws. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All of them, right? All the above. All the ones we love dearly in our lives. Okay. It gets tricky, right? Anybody else? Yeah. Part is kind of like, it's like um, the way like, come, the way you come across to like, if you answer a question with a tone of voice or something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Boy, did the tone <laughs> changes the yeah. atmosphere, yeah. right? And then the emotions behind the words. That's, that's where we are a lot of times. like, what are you feeling? And we're not talking about what we're feeling because life goes so fast. Or we're talking about everything else but ourselves. What else? Anybody else? What do you get? Uh, yeah. Parenting. I mean, we have adult children, but even still, like, there's things that come up and we try to figure okay. out what we think that we should offer as advice or whatever. It sometimes can cause some conflict. Okay. All right. Good one. Good one. Yeah. Just unmet and unexpressed expectations. Okay. Unmet and unexpressed uh, expectations, exactly. Newly, newlywed, right there. Yeah, I'm just going to share the way that we spend our time. Um, just on the go, 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 go kind of person. Okay. Okay. Scheduling. Scheduling is a big deal. All right. Turn to James chapter four. A lot of us have read this before. James chapter four. Why do we have conflict? And in this lesson, Judy and I will go back and forth. I'll say a little bit. She'll say a little bit. And hopefully uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk. I'll ask some comments afterwards. Uh, but James four tells us in verse one why we fight or why we have arguments. This is the NIV. What causes fights? What causes quarrels? You know, arguments among you. Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have. So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. Uh, He says, uh, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask. Over 40 years, Judy and I have had quite a few arguments and uh, disagreements and fights, all right? Uh, I never forget our first one was a really good one. Do you ever have a good one that you you remember? This was in our first, we started out right. And fights are not always bad. We'll get to that in just a minute, but... We were uh, uh, working with a church in Pullman, Washington. This is our first year of marriage, and I always felt like she got upset and started crying at the wrong time. It was one of my favorite things to say. Your timing is always off. And uh, so right before midweek, we got into a fight, and she started crying. And then, you know, her, she's just going on, and I'm getting mad. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm just, I'm just going to go to church, you know, and you can stay home. You can figure it out. I'm just leaving. And uh, so I thought I was the more spiritual one, you know. I'm just going to go to church. 
course, everybody wanted to know where Judy was that night, and uh, I just said, well, she's sick. <laughs> Truth was, she was sick of me, you know, right? So uh, we finally got that out. We got some help, but, uh, you know, how many can remember good fights? You've got to have some good fights. Why are good fights important? What do they teach us? Not to do that anymore. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Yeah. So. I think it brings a realization of where your sin is at. If it's done in a in a in a way that's productive, like okay. But yeah, if you bring out, wow, you're really tough. Yes, I am. Thank you. And you're referring to yourself, of course, right there. You you were okay, David. you get down to deeper stuff sometimes hopefully that's the goal but fights are not bad if as long as we learn how to resolve it's learning how to resolve it's learning how to see them in a great way my first point is respond or react a lot of us are good at reacting you know I'm very good in our marriage at reacting to stuff I'm the you know we're both emotional but I tend to be more outward emotional you know and maybe one in the marriage tends to be quieter do you guys have that, anybody else have that dynamic? One's a little more quieter, one's a little more, you know, boisterous, you know, maybe takes up the airspace. But, you know, so I have to, I have to learn about my reactions to stuff. And of course, we learn over the years to push each other's buttons. What are some of the ways that we can react to conflict? What are some of the ways that you react to conflict? You shut down, you just get quiet. Okay. What does the Bible call shutdown? Since shutdown is not in the scriptures. What, what, what's, it, what's in the scriptures? Harden heart? Okay. Yeah, we, we close up. We harden our heart. What's another reaction? Yeah. I can get prideful or manipulative. Okay. 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 Become maybe explosive, more louder. Why do we do that sometimes? Control. To get control? Yeah. Okay. Uh, how many grew up in a home where... The louder someone got, maybe a parent got, the more everybody kind of got into place. And, you know, that's what we figured out real quick. Man, dad gets louder, you get under the radar. You find your hole or you're going to get it. Huh? Yeah, yeah. What else? What other ways do you respond to conflict? Distraction? Just avoid. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's kind of the peace, peace. Sometimes we go, let's, let's go peace, peace. You know, I hate conflict. My parents are that way or others. And so, yeah. What's another way? Anybody else? Anything else? Uh, the silent treatment. Did we hit that? I think shutting down, maybe the silent stonewalling, uh, throwing fits. Um, Blame. Blaming. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there are all kinds of ways that you and I, we all respond to conflict in some way. Judy's going to share. So um, I don't think we actually, I mean, we would have arguments, but I hated conflict. How many of you avoid conflict at like <laughs> all cost? And um, so I did that actually for 10 years, maybe even longer than that. And that is still my nature to do that. But 
It's a pretty miserable place to be to avoid conflict because then I would just stuff, stuff everything, right. stuff, sweep it under the carpet, mm -hmm. ignore, and so nothing is really dealt with or real. And, uh, and there's no intimacy either, you know, when you just stuff everything all the time. And so I remember, you know, after about 10 years, five kids, there's a lot of stuffing that went on, <laughs> you know, through that time. And so to resolve conflict, there has to be conflict, obviously. But with me, it, it had to begin with God. And uh, there's a verse that says that Christ's love compels me because it's not within me to be loving or forgiving or to want to resolve conflict. I always had to go back to my relationship with God and get a conviction about what does God want me to do? Not what does God want him to do, but what does God want me to do? And so it begins with God. And then secondly, in um, you know resolving conflict, this is something that Dave and I have had to work on a lot, is identifying the underlying problem. How many of you, you argue over, it's like, I don't know, the stupidest thing, and it's like, really? Is that really what it is, you know? And it's, it's not. I think somebody over here brought up, you know, the, a tone. You can ask about iced tea or food, and depending on the tone of it, can in, in an argument, you know, of something. But, you know, usually there is something deeper that is going on. And Dave and I found that we would get into these arguments over the kids and um and it would just kind of escalate and then in my mind i would start blaming and then saying well if you would do this and he would be well if you would have done this or but the underlying issue is fear there was fear going on in both of our hearts and when you get unified on what the fear is or or anxiety or what might be going on then we're a lot more compassionate towards each other because usually we're on the same page, you know, when that happens. But uh, Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 5, it says that someone's thoughts may be as deep as the ocean, but if you are smart, you will discover them. So whatever you struggle with in your marriage, you know, whether it's emptiness or constant fighting or distance, you know, those are just the symptoms. You've got to get down, get down deeper. And um, Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3, it says, it's smart to be patient, but it's stupid to lose your temper. And uh, chapter 24, verse 3, it says, use wisdom and understanding to build your home. Let good sense fill the rooms with priceless treasures. And I mean, do you, do you give up quickly on each other? Do you really, really want to know each other and what's going on in each other's hearts? Are you interested? Um, <clears throat> you give up quickly on each other. I mean, I would do any time a conflict, I was just, okay, whatever. Whatever you say, and you know that word, whatever, you know there's a problem with that, right? If one of you says whatever, it's not really whatever. But I would just, whatever, let's just do it your way. And that's not God's way, you know, right, to, right. to treat each other that way. And, um, but, you know, the emotional work was something that was hard for me. I was... If you've heard the term emotionally lazy, you know, maybe at night we'd go to bed and he'd be wanting to talk and I'd be like, really? It's like, you know, uh -huh. And I was just being lazy and not wanting to, you know, you're tired, obviously, but, you know, those are opportune times when one spouse is wanting to talk, to engage emotionally and to find out, you know, and be curious and to know what's really, really going on in there. Don't give up on each other. 
How many of you realize that you are just completely opposite of the other person? I mean, Dave and I, you know, we're just, and you know, you've heard that saying that opposites attract, right? I think that's pretty cool. But sometimes we think, man, I married the wrong person or, you know, differences can be really, really awesome. Right. If you build on those and if you value what each other brings to the marriage rather than thinking that person should be just like me. So what you invest in the most tends to grow the most. Right. So work hard and go, go deep. Amen. Mark 11, if you have your uh, Bibles, uh, this is the amplified version of Mark 11, verse 25. How to work through the conflict. We're going to uh, shift here a little bit. Um, working through a conflict. It says in Mark eleven twenty five. 25, this is the Amplified. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him and let it drop. Leave it. Let it go. In order that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive your own failings and shortcomings and let them drop. Great scripture on just sometimes the best thing is to let things drop. Things that are not important. Pick your battles. Pick the things that are important to have a conflict over. Does that make sense? Judy and I have learned quickly. This is the Amplified. Mark eleven twenty five. Amplified was what I just read. There's two Amplifieds. It might be the classic or the uh, updated. I'm not sure. It might be the classic. But uh, learning how to let some things go. Is there someone in the marriage that tends to, to pick everything? Is there anybody anybody in your marriage that kind of, we used to call them a here come the judge kind of a person, you know? They're like, like they're the kind of person, if anybody owes them any money, they know how much is owed to them. They know where things go. They know when things are out of, you know, they're very detailed and a little nitpicky about it. Anybody like that in your marriage? Nobody, okay. Um, so there, there are certain things to, to you learn to let go. You know, years ago, I wanted to help Judy bite her, not bite her nails anymore because she was biting her nails off, you know, and I thought, that's just a nasty habit, you know, let me help you with that, you know, and she says, <laughs> then finally one day she goes, well, help me, can you help me? And I go, great, you know, I'm going to be on it for you, you know what I mean? And so every time she started to put her, you know, hand near her mouth, you know, I was right there, man. I was ready to catch it. Well, do you think that worked? No, that produced so much frustration and anger and conflict. And I just thought, this is the bad approach. This is the wrong approach. Let it go. Inspire her another way to change. Uh, sometimes you have to learn the hard way. Ephesians 4 uh, taught us a lot. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. One of the things that we believe in deeply is finding scriptures that your marriage would, would be totally different if you obeyed it. If you obeyed those scriptures. And you have to find out the scriptures that for sure fit your marriage and where you're at. Some scriptures fit all of us. This might be one of those. Ephesians 4, 26. In IV, it says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. So if we don't resolve it right then, the Bible says, don't even let the sun go down. And I remember reading this for the, one of the first times, deciding to put it to practice. Rather than go to bed unresolved, rather than go to bed 
with the wall that's in, in the bed, right? There's that, un, you can't see it, but it's there. You feel it. You don't want to touch each other's toes. You don't want to touch each other at all. If you ever do that, you just kind of scoot over and, you, you know, you're like not talking, not going. Or sometimes we just wait for days. Anybody ever do that? Just goes, we're not going to deal with this for days. I'm just mad. I want to be mad for days. Nobody like that? Okay. You don't have to raise your hand, by the way, you know. But some of us, we just go, I'm just going to get mad for days. I'll just, I'll just be a cloud in the house. I'll just storm up, you know. And so we learned this, Ephesians 4, 26, if we would just obey this, mm-hmm. obey it. No matter how tired you are, work it through. Work it through. Talk about it. Talk about what you're mad about, what you're angry about. It did wonders. And, of course, you have to, uh, you know, get ready for a couple of hours sometimes. It does take time to resolve things. And one of the things we found out the older we get is we're more exhausted about life, health issues. And so it's easy to go, I don't want to talk this through today. I don't want to talk about this. Let's put it on a shelf. Now, sometimes that's healthy to put it on a shelf. Right? When do you think it's good to put an argument on a shelf? When you're both out of control. Okay. When there's no control over this and we're both feeling a lot about it and we need to what? Go away and think about it. Go away and pray about it. Go away, maybe get a little advice about it, read the Bible. That's a good thing to do is to put it on a shelf and go think about it, reflect on it. Look at yourself, all right? And then come back together and be a lot more productive. But, boy, we've, we've stayed up some really, really late, late nights trying to figure out what are you feeling, what are you mad about, there's something going on, you know, and one thing leads to another, leads to another, and usually we always get down to some sin. You know, there's some sin going on. There's bitterness. There's some critical feelings. There's some negative feelings. There's some doubts or some suspicions going on, and it just takes time. Marriage is not for the weak. It's for those who really want to be strong. And it takes strength spiritually, and that's why we go to God. One thing, too, that helped us was not only Ephesians 4, just like making the decision, we're not going to go to bed and be unresolved. Have you ever made that decision? Anybody ever made that, you guys? That's hard to hold to. That's hard to hold to. But, But try holding to it. The second thing is walking back what someone said. Okay, a lot of times we say things that are very emotional, but walking it back and saying, okay, what I hear you saying is this, and then repeating it. Does that make sense? Because then the other person who said it gets to hear it, and then you get to say it, and that kind of helps, can help calm down the emotions. Judy? Um, So one of the things I want to talk about is uh, growing personally, in uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 2, it says that God will be as hard on you as you are on others. He will treat you exactly as you treat them. Why do you see the little piece of dust in your, sp- I'm going to put your spouse's eye, but you don't notice the big piece of wood in your own eye? How can you say to your spouse, let me take that little piece of dust out of your eye? Look at yourself. You still have that big piece of wood in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the wood out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the dust out of your spouse's eye. So, you know, a lot of times in conflict, I know me, I'm thinking about what 
he needs to change or what he needs to do for me. This scripture right here talks about, you know, got this big log in my own eye. Maybe he would actually listen if I would confess my own stuff, you know, first or work on my own self first. So pursue your own spiritual and personal growth. You know, our spouse does not exist to make you happy. This is an immature idea and it will ruin our relationships and it'll prevent us from changing what you need to change. If we just think this person who's given to me, marriage is all about making me happy. And whether you realize it or not, you enter marriage thinking that for probably a long time. I, do. I still have to work on that. But, um, you know, both parties contribute to the marriage, but, and we each share the burden. So search your own heart first. Take ownership of your sin. And when you're in a conflict, that can be, my pride gets in the way, and it can be really hard to do that. But when you do it, it really softens. Okay, I see. I see that's something that I need to change, or I see that. And you know what? You can't go wrong because it's not about winning. It's about putting the relationship first and the other person first. So growing personally is being able to hear the truth from your spouse. If you're going to help each other grow, your spouse may make you unhappy. <laughs> they might say something that's going to hurt your feelings. And so it's just really important to be able to hear each other out. One of the things that um, Judy and I enjoy doing is the reconciliation part. Um, Walking things through helps that go better. You have to walk things through in your arguments. And so by the time we get through our emotional, you know, all the stuff that we're feeling and, and we're walking through, okay, I feel this and you feel that. And then you said this and said that. Words hurt, right? Words uh, open your Bibles. To, we'll read in just a minute. Matthew 12, 34, what Jesus says, because it's amazing. Words are things that can stay with you for like decades. They can stay with you for a long time. And so what we have to do is, is we have to have this part of the conflict that says, what just happened? What did we say to each other? How did we get there? How did we get to this point that we were that mad at each other? You know, and, and what did you feel? And, you know, when you get really mad at your spouse, you know, you can feel a lot of crazy things. Yep. And uh, so we have to like, OK, let's let's now go through this process of what did we learn and what are we going to say uh, to one another? What needs to be said to repair? Does that make sense? Yeah. How are you going to repair what you said? It has to be a reconnect. If there's no reconnection, there'll be a later on retaliation. So learn to reconnect. I don't know if you got my, I don't know if I made my points clear, but respond or react. These are all R's, so that should be easy. Resolve or resent. We talked about resolving. And if, if we don't learn to resolve, resentments build up, right? They just build up. Uh, sometimes I don't even know everything I'm feeling. I just have a lot of feelings. You ever do that? I just got a lot inside. So resentments build up, right? And so, you know, she's really good at helping me just get those out. And then the final one is just reconnecting. And that's the part that helps us the most is like, okay, what, 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 what took place here? What triggered it? What triggered you? What triggered me? 
Now, what are you going to say next time? What will, next time this, it's going to happen again. We always usually say that it's going to happen again. So what can we learn? How can we do this differently? Well, I need to do this. And that's what Judy's saying, that soft heart comes in like, well, I need to listen a lot better than I do. Because I don't listen. When you say this kind of stuff or this topic comes up, here's where my mind goes. you know. Or we get down to, well, I haven't been reading my Bible very effectively. I've been reading stuff, but I haven't been really thinking about my heart. And I definitely haven't been thinking of your heart. And so one of the things I had to change a lot was start to think about Judy's heart, her emotions, her physical needs, her mental needs, her spiritual needs. And taking part of my quiet time every day just to consider what she's feeling today. What might she be feeling? What she feel yesterday? What she feel on Monday? You know, what did she feel about, you know, our kids? Because we always get news about our kids, you know, good or bad, right? We get news. Uh, you get news about people in the church. You get news about friends. You get news about family, moms or dads or relatives, right? Going off the grid, you know? And so you've got to talk. And, but before we talk, if we spend some time thinking, do you guys do, anybody ever do that? Where you, you could take part of your quiet time? I didn't think I could do that. Used to, I thought, no, I'm supposed to be always thinking about God, you know, reading about God. And someone said, why don't you take part of your time and think about Judy and think about her needs. Think about what she's going through emotionally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. Where is her spiritual battles? Do I even know or do I want to know? Does that make sense, guys? Yeah. Now, that may seem like a lot, but just take a little bit at a time. Use a little bit of your morning to think about where your spouse is at, what they need to hear from you today. Matthew 12, 34. When I, when I take time to consider, this is that uh, Hebrews 10, it says consider. I like the uh, New Living Bible in verse 24, Hebrews 10. It says consider how to what? Motivate and inspire each other. All right. So Matthew 12, when I do that, Matthew 12 goes better. Verse 34 in the message, Jesus says every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning, Jesus says, Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. Words can also be your damnation. That's the message translation, Matthew 12, 34. 1 Peter 3, 9, Amplified says, Never return evil for evil, insult for insult. None of us want to do that, right? Return a hurt for a hurt. <laughs> We do that, right? We, we, they hurt me. I'm going to, you know. Yeah, we know how to do that real well. He says, don't do that. He says, this is the Amplified, 1 Peter 3, 9. He says, never return an evil for an evil or insult for insult, tongue lashing, scolding, berating each other. But on the contrary, blessing, return it with a blessing, he says, praying for their welfare, happiness and protection, and truly loving them. Beautiful scripture, beautiful scripture. Take some of these and just think about them. It really, really is a, is a good thing to do. Uh, and, and that, I think, will help you reconnect. There has to be a reconnection. One of the signs we look at is after we fight and argue, do we want to touch each other? Is there touch? 
Do we want to hold each other's hands? Do not we want this to? Kind of touch, yeah, not not yeah. This kind. The, you know, the affectionate. <laughs> Is there affection? Do I want to sit, touch her? Mm -hmm. Do I want to be close? And we always have to ask ourselves if if that's not there, we didn't resolve it. Does that make sense? We've got to get resolved and get resolved right, Judy. You know, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about too is is uh, honesty. You know, in resolving conflict, and actually, honesty can can prevent conflict as well. You know, if we're honest with each other, and um, you know, honesty can be both ways. You know, we think, oh, I need to be honest. You hurt my feelings, but there are so many things that I think in my head that are actually positive about him that I don't tell him. And that's part of being honest is, you know, reaffirming and positive things. But also, you know, I think it was 10 or 12 years into our marriage. I remember as if it was yesterday, sitting down and having an honest talk about our 12 years together or even before that, because we really didn't know each other. And it was a time in the church that we were in where we were, you know, learning to just really be honest with each other. And I was super scared, like, ah, I don't know if I want to know, you know, everything about you or everything that you've done. And I don't know if I want to say everything that I've done or thought. And, um, but boy, after that time, I, we felt closer to each other than we ever had before. And it's just a very, very cool thing to be able to bring each other's sins and weaknesses and, you know, faults and insecurities, just bring them all to the table and then feel that reassurance from one another. And the, you're not being graded, you know, it's a, it's a pretty, you know, it's a really awesome thing. It's take time to be honest and to understand each other. If one spouse is afraid to be honest for fear of the other one getting angry or defensive, then that's a problem. That's something that you need to talk about and be honest about. Understanding each other's hurts and sins without reacting. That's a real key to respond rather than react. And it doesn't mean to hide your emotions. You know, a lot of times we think, well, I can't, you know, react, so I can't show an emotion. That's not what I, it's not what I'm talking about. It's really important to be honest. And I think also even, even in confessing sin, I mean, David, I, you know, we've, he's my best friend. You know, he's home. He's home to me. And so for me to be able to, you know, share whatever things are on my heart and feel acceptance from him is huge. I don't care if anybody, as long as God accepts me, and my husband, I'm, I'm good to go. It, it means so much to me. And I think even confessing our sins to each other, and sometimes we think, you know, the purity sins are like the worst sins to confess. You know, there are other sins that exist besides those, right? There's pride, there's anger, there's envy, there's, you know, evil thoughts, uh, there's all, you know, all kinds of things. But sometimes the purity sins can be the harder ones to talk about. But once we started talking about that, it brought so much security to our relationship. It was kind of messy and hard at first. But you know what? I understand men a lot more than I used to, and he understands females a lot more than he used to. And so we actually help each other. And that's what a marriage is all about, is helping one another, helping each other to go to heaven. And, uh, and not, you know, condemning, not condemning one another. 
So, you know, are you really willing to need and be needed by each other? Really knowing, wanting to know those deep, deep parts of each other's hearts is really important. Some good scriptures, Proverbs 24, verse 26. Um, Judy's talking about honesty. There's a lot out of Ephesians 4.25 uh, about uh, put off all falsehood, no uh, deception. But Proverbs 24.26, this is a really good one. I'm not sure we always believe it. An honest answer, new living, is like a kiss of friendship. I'm not sure we really believe that sometimes when we don't give an honest answer. All right, we all know when we're not giving an honest answer. When we know we're giving the answer that's just going to, let's just get by, I'm hungry, let's go eat. Uh, right? Anybody ever do that? Uh, Ephesians 4.25, this is uh, in the Passion Bible. Ephesians 4.25, discard every form of dishonesty and lying. Discard every form of dishonesty and lying so that you'll be known as one who always speaks the truth. For we all belong to one another. Really good. Colossians 3.9 is another one. Don't lie to each other. It goes even back to Leviticus. If you want to go back to the Old Testament. Leviticus, beautiful book, right? Funny. Anyway, it says don't lie to one another. You know, even back in the Old Testament, Ephesians 4.15. Of course, we, we talked about that one a little bit or, or referred to that one. Uh, here are some practicals now, I think. Do we have time for a little practicals? Yeah, uh -huh. Little practicals about resolving conflict. Um, yeah, so I mean, th these are some things that, again, that we've had to work on. And uh, one of the first tips for resolving conflict is making the relationship a priority, not who's going to win. Right. Does that make sense? So just, you know, the goal is not who's right, but the goal is to be respectful to your spouse and to their viewpoint. And that seriously is one of the hardest things. Like, even if we can agree to disagree, David wants me to empathize with him or to mm -hmm. feel what he's feeling, whether I agree with it or not. And it is possible to do that. It's possible to put yourself in the other person's shoes, whether you agree with it or not, and see their viewpoint. It, it's, it's huge to be able to do that. I think also is um, keeping calm. You know, that's another hard one is to not let the emotions, you know, get, get carried away, but to remain calm and listen. Uh, another thing is focusing on the present. You know, it doesn't go good to like, well, I remember when you did this and da-da-da, and here it is again and da-da-da. Resolve old hurts and resentments. You know, First Corinthians 13 says, keep no record of wrongs. Like, right. that's just not fair to bring up old things that supposedly have already been resolved before. So uh, pick your battles. You know, don't, you, don't just, like he said earlier, be nitpicky. Don't correct each other all the time. You know, if you are a wife and you're always nitpicking and being bossy and, you know, your husband already has a mother. He doesn't need another mother. To, um, to do that to him. So pick your battles. Don't always be correcting. Um, forgive one another. I know that we talked about that. Um, I'm sorry goes a long ways. Mm. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Even the, just those words, forgive, will you forgive me? goes a long ways, doesn't it? Not like, well, I'm sorry if I hurt your da 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 no, it's obvious that I hurt your feelings yeah. right here, and I'm really sorry, and this is what I'm going to do moving forward. David and I always try to, at the end of a conflict, 
to articulate to each other what we're, what I'm going to change and then what he's going to change. And we, you know, we have hope. This is really important. Close. A lot of couples just don't do this. Don't really learn to apologize so that because someone's getting hurt every time you have a conflict or in the marriage there's hurts there's pain there's misunderstandings there has to be a really good apology and instead of grading each other on your apologies learn how to really connect emotionally like i really hurt you i'm really sorry for what it doesn't matter who's right or wrong it's, it's not an issue of who got it right that was a big deal to me a long time ago. Now it's not, it's not, it's not the issue is I just want to make sure we're reconnected because I know I hurt you, you know, and how many of us know we hurt our wives or spouses pretty much all the time. All right. So, yeah. The learn apologies. All right. Well, and again, what we talked about earlier about being emotionally honest, there was a, a few weeks ago, I did something, I hurt him and you know, we were having this conflict and I couldn't quite feel, I couldn't figure out like what was going on or what I did to hurt his feelings. And he said, well, I felt left out. And I was like so excited that he articulated a feeling to me that I could connect with, you know? I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. Maybe I, I might not agree with it, but yeah. I get it. You felt left out, yay, I was so excited. But, feelings, um, guys. But, you know, emotionally connecting mm -hmm. is really huge in resolving mm -hmm. conflict. Uh, another area is know when to let something go. Hey, don't just keep beating a dead horse, you know. Just know, know when to let something go. Uh, deal with one issue at a time. I'll just go with these really quick. Don't hit below the belt. You know, sometimes we know that if we say this, it's really going to mm. hurt that person or push a button. Don't do that. This is your husband or your wife that you're talking to. No accusations. No, avoid words like you never or you always or it's all your fault. You know, keep away from those things. Um, I ran out of time. I think we need to go. stop, yeah. Hopefully this was helpful. Yeah. Then you got one or two things out of it. Um, thanks for everybody being here. Let's all be back over, be in a big uh, assembly uh, room over there. And we'll wrap up. Thank you.